You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and I would like to really thank you for joining us today. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to listen to yet another one of our great guests. Um, but before we get to, to Di Manuel, I want to take care of a little bit of business here. Uh, today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. We would love for you to follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. And our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca if you'd like to get a hold of us that way. Uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast as well. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, and your favorite pa- podcast podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybsa.com. To me, men's health isn't something that's covered as much as it should be, and we are going to do our part today to to tackle this uh, little piece of this area of health. Uh, Our guest today is Di Manuel, and he is a super dad. He's dating his wife with a lead-by-example way of living and a contagious personality. I can vouch for that. And he's on a mission to positively impact one million role models around the globe to lead a functionally fit life through education, encouragement, and community. He is an award-winning digital thought leader and author, distinguished Toastmaster, TEDx speaker, and edutaining keynote speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company, and a sought-after lifestyle mentor and executive performance coach. Di knows the struggles of the juggle and keeping his health and happiness a priority, his models, uh, he models his work based on the five F's, fitness, family, faith, and finances, with an overarching roof of fun built on a rock-solid foundation of health. Nuggets of wisdom and inspiration to take action to be your best self are guaranteed when you connect with Di. We're going to cover a lot of interesting things today. Um and, and to that end, and, and speaking with, uh, with Di and his, his journey with health, he's really come into his own space dealing with men's health. We're going to talk about this area of men's health that he's passionate about, um, which really is about cultivating relationships, uh, male relationships, and the importance of male vulnerability. We talk about these things and a whole bunch more. So I really do hope you will stay with us and listen to Di Manuel. We'll be back, everybody, in just a couple of minutes. Can't escape disappointment. Can't avoid the delay. But I don't have to make feeling down and defeated the place that I stay. Gonna ride. 
pass through the moment Gonna speak to the waves Gonna push back the doubt that keeps dragging me down When I can't find a way Don't need to see to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, our show today with dyes being taped. So please, um, you know, at the end of the show, we give all of the, the information. You can reach out to us for further questions. You can reach out directly to our guests. So do take advantage of that. And as mentioned at the top of the show, we'd love you to follow us on our social sites. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three spots. Di, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kathy. It's an absolute honor to be here. And uh, 
yeah, I'm just I'm really excited just to connect with you and have a conversation. You know, conversating that, is nice, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, it, it, it's I think we're all wanting more of that. You know, just based on the year we've all had and, and continue yeah. to have, it, it's just nice to have that connection, but also just to, to to have some real conversations. You know, I feel like it's always about the one thing, right? Right now, it's exactly, uh, exactly, it's real. inspirational it's real. conversations. People <laughs> need people need some some happy, good inspiration, and and you're gonna fit the bill today for sure. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> and a fellow Canadian uh, to boot. Yes, everybody. yes, that's right. We, we, we've Vancouver. got the coast covered. <laughs> yeah, so they they, they are, um, I think you're the third highest province to be hit by. I don't even know where it all yes. fits into this COVID uh, thing, but we're all in it together. So uh, a fellow Canadian and, and welcome to the show. I love to, I love to have Canadians on. So wonderful. Now, <clears throat> you are a, um, a man who has uh, had some significant life changes in your adult years and uh, i'd love for you to explain to everybody you know pre right now what you're doing right now how you got to this space is very interesting well thanks kathy you know i i yeah i guess uh my my path like many of us when you really think about you know the journey we were all on this beautiful thing called life that we all get the the opportunity to to hopefully live uh in into our best versions, you know, like I always think that we're so much potential, you know, every one of us, that's all we got is potential, but, you know, realizing that potential, well, that's, that's just part of the, the journey from A to B, you mm-hmm. know, I and uh, mine's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of side to sides, a lot of backtracking, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I don't regret any one thing, you know, everything I believe truly has happened for a reason. And I know if it hadn't happened the way it happened, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. So it's, you know, I, I can say, yeah, maybe it sounds like a growth mindset, uh, but I wasn't always that way, you know. And um, like, I, I think back to just for people that are, are, are listening, you, you know, life is an interesting thing. You, you know, I, I, I don't know if you can relate to this, Kathy, but, mm-hmm. you know, we have a general idea of things that are value to us. You know, we, we, you know, some people call those our core values and, and they're pretty, they're very much guiding principles. They help us filter our, our, our decisions, our, our, our belief systems even are influenced by a lot of those core values. And, and for myself, I know that I've gotten into the most trouble or, or, or most challenging moments in my life because I've ignored some of those instincts that pop up uh, that relate to some of those core values. Like for me, some of my values are the family, my, my well-being, my fitness, uh, even just being financially responsible. Uh, these are some of the important values to me. And, and uh, I, I've deviated. And when I didn't focus on maintaining some of those actions that lived into those values, that's when I got into trouble. And, and I'll, I'll, you know, in my early 20s, just to date myself, I'm 44 now. And uh, the last 24 years have been one heck of a ride. And I, I've learned a lot, but I've, I've had to endure some pretty big challenges in my life. And, uh, you, you know, in my early 20s, uh, I was just trying to figure out who I am. You know, to be honest, I, I, I actually lived outside of Toronto uh, in a small town called Bowmanville. And uh, you may know where that is, Kathy. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just, so just small anymore. Oh, oh, it's not so small. You know what? That's right. Uh, the last few times I've been back over the last 20 some odd years, it, it's amazing. It's like it, it, it's like Toronto and then outside of Toronto just keeps going. Yes, it does. <laughs> it absolutely does. 
just remarkable uh, the amount of growth. But but you know, at that time when I lived there, it, it was under thirty thousand population. You know, it wasn't a very big big town at all. Uh, but it, you know, it was a it was a great place to to grow up. To be honest, and uh, I had great parents too. Parents that really cared for for my brother and I, and they they did divorce, like separate and divorce when we were quite young. You know, both under the age of ten, and uh, that that challenged me emotionally, and uh, I all of a sudden was sort of thrust into a place where I had to, to, you know, my mom was working a lot to, to support my brother and I, my dad was working a lot in his own business and we'd see him every other weekend. And so I left a lot of time for my brother and I by ourselves, uh, especially as we got over the age of 10, uh, you know, my mom would just expect us to, to be able to tend to ourselves until she got home after work. So, you know, there's that sort of a few hours a day. And during those hours, I, I learned to console myself especially keep myself busy with food, video games, and movies. <laughs> you can probably imagine, you know, you put those, that, that nice little trifecta together and you make that your everyday all day. Uh, the food I was eating was very poor in nutrition value, but really high in calories. And, and so I, I, I grew quite a bit. And over a five-year period, I, I got to a point where I remember one day at the doctor's office, the doctor pulling my mom aside because I was having breathing problems. And what it was, it was, asthma was really starting to take hold in my life and, and limiting me, but because my, my health was getting so poor and she pulled my mom aside. and was like, Betty Ann, your son died. He's morbidly obese. And I, I gotta be, be honest here, Kathy, you know, at the age of 14 at that time, I didn't know what morbidly meant, nor did I know what mm. obese meant, but I, I knew it didn't sound good, you know? And I, when I was thrust into that sort of state of unhealth and, and I got there on my own volition. Right. Uh, but I used to blame everybody for my situation. I, I got really good at just blaming everybody else, but never taking ownership that maybe those little habits that I had were contributing to the way I was feeling internally, but also, you know, what was happening to my health, and my physicality. And, uh, you know, to cut a long story short, I, I, hit a point in my life at age 15 where, where I was battling a lot of uh, mental health challenges. And with that came a lot of thoughts about, and, you know, life is really hard right now. You know, like I remember going to class on the third floor of the school and, and getting to the top of that flight of stairs, I'd be sweating. I'd be out of breath and I'd see all my peers just looking at me and I could hear the little snickering as I'd make my way to my classroom walking by the lockers. And, and that was just an everyday thing. So I, I became very, very withdrawn. Let's just put it that way. And uh, so I thought, hey, maybe life would be just a lot easier if I didn't have to deal with all this, you know? And, uh, and that was hard. It was really hard. And I, I got to a period where I remember being at my dad's this one weekend and uh, <laughs> I was having a shower and I had this little trick, Kathy, if I had a shower, I'd put the water on really hot because if it was so hot, I know that condensation and, and uh, all that steam would, would fog up the mirror. So when I would exit the shower and start to towel off, I would never have to see my reflection. Wow. Like these are the little things. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I'm just saying, wow, that's the coping mechanisms. Yeah. It's, well, it's amazing what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we're trying to avoid hurt, <laughs> you know, right, avoid yeah. pain, avoid discomfort. And I just got really good at shielding myself or at least, you, you know, putting things to the side and cope, just cope. And uh, this one morning I 
was being rushed by my dad and because uh, we had to get somewhere. I have no idea where. Uh, it doesn't really matter anymore, but I was being rushed. And I remember having a quick shower and getting out. And for some reason, as I was toweling off, I could see my profile in the mirror. I turned. I locked eyes. And I broke down. Like, uncontrollable, ugly cry. And I think we've all probably experienced that at some point in our lives, sometimes in a happy, happy place. I think about when my daughters are born, uh, very happy, ugly crying. Mm -hmm. This is not happy crying. This is, this is me really just feeling disgusted and, and, and filled with a lot of hate for that person that was looking back at me in that mirror. I didn't even know who it was, you know? And, and uh, as much as all these not so nice thoughts were flashing through my mind. I, I got to a point where I was just like, I just, I can't live like this anymore. And I think it was that point of where fear really becomes so overwhelming. And, and, and you know, we are remarkable as just a species, right? Like I think about humanity, I think about human beings and, and just break down to our DNA, like fear is part of us, but enduring and overcoming fear is also part of us. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think back to that moment and it could have gone one of two ways. And the easiest way for me to explain what happened, and I, I think everybody, everybody, I have yet to meet somebody that hasn't had a very trying experience where we've had a very clear, I can go left or I can go right. And I realized that if I keep doing what I was doing at that time, it was not going to be any better than it was in that moment. Life was not going to get any easier than it was at age 14 at that state of morbid obesity if I was going to continue down that path. And that's where I all of a sudden realized that I was more afraid of not changing than I was of the idea of changing, even though I didn't know how to change. <laughs> you know, that, like that's a young age to hit a crossroads yeah. in your life. Right? I mean, that, that oh. is very young. Um, well, most of us hit those crossroads a, a bit later in life. Well, I, and I think we come to so many crossroads in our life anyways. Um, I just, yeah, I, I came to one fairly early on, uh, but it was a five-year journey that brought me to that place. You know, like it was five years of me dealing with a lot of, uh, of emotions internally, or at least coping with it, but not with healthy ways. And, and mm -hmm. as much as people tried to support me, my parents tried to support me, I just, I took everything as an attack, you know, like, oh, you don't think I'm good enough. You don't think I'm, I'm, I, I'm smart enough. You don't like every time there was some mm -hmm. sort of suggestion, whether it be, Hey, we can get you into some fitness, you know, we'll, we'll get you a gym membership. We'll, we'll, you know, there was all these suggestions that were always implied. And uh, every time I heard that, it was like, no, it's an affront to enough. you as opposed to yeah. a suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're and a kid, right? I mean, it's not yes. just, you've got, <laughs> you've got kids stuff going on, you've got hormones going on, and then mm -hmm. you've got this, this lack of self-love going on. And like I said, that's For an sure. awfully young age to have that ugly soup come together in a mix. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I do realize that it, it doesn't sound like a pretty picture I'm painting. And you know, Oh, yeah, but honest, now you've got to look at me like, now. You can go back to Bowmanville <laughs> and say, look at me now. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, 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 it sort of snapped in my mind at that point. I came out of that bathroom. I, I found my dad, of course, after <laughs> telling off and getting dressed and, and found my dad. And I was like, Dad, I don't want to be like this anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I want to be healthy. You know, I don't want to feel like I feel. And it must've been something like he could tell that my energy, it was very different in that moment. Like he could tell that this is something that I wanted for me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a matter of anybody suggesting anything. It was like me coming to this place where I wanted to make some changes. And I asked if he would buy me a bike 
because I didn't want to go to the gym. I was like, I'm not going anywhere public. Like yeah. I need to do something on my own terms. And I remember always loving to bike when I was a kid. And so I was like, can we get me a bike? And, and he, you know, hit the iron while it's hot, as they say. And, and uh, he took me out that afternoon and, and uh, with my mom's uh, support, we, we got me a mountain bike and, and I just started biking every day, a little bit, you know, just moving my body with a bit of purpose. And, and I remember going to the library, getting books out on nutrition and health and well-being, and, and really just trying to learn, but implement what I was learning. And, and that was the start of a 20 month journey, which ultimately taught me so much about health and well-being and, and fitness and, and a little bit of mindset too. But, you know, at that age, it, it wasn't the mindset that was focused me because if mm-hmm. I was perfectly honest with you, Kathy, I was really motivated because I wanted a girlfriend, you yeah, know, I wanted parents is key at that age. It right? is. You want to be everything. a peacock. <laughs> I, well, I, and I did, you know, I, I well, and, and more than that, I just wanted somebody to want me. You know, I just wanted that, you know, and not someone that was going to love me unconditionally like my family because we're family. You got to love me. Right. right exactly. But but I wanted somebody else to want me. And uh, and, and so that was a big motivation for me. And, and you know, that 20 month journey, I, I lost uh, all the weight. I put on some muscle mass. I developed some new healthy habits. But it, it wasn't like that was the end goal. That was not what I was envisioning. I was just envisioning being different than I was. I didn't really know what that was going to look like, but I trusted a process mm-hmm. and, and was very patient with it. Just kept doing it a little bit at a time, but there were some wins that I experienced along the way. And, and one of the first most significant ones, and this is what I always encourage people that want to make some health changes. Cause you know, we get to a place in life and we were like, geez, we can tell that our energy is not in a good place. You know, mm-hmm. maybe we're waking up in the morning and we're getting plenty of sleep, at least by all standards. It's like, wow, I was in bed for eight hours last night, but I don't feel like I slept at all, you know? And then we, we, we get that feeling or, or all of a sudden things start to irritate us or, or what we used to take for granted now becomes so much harder than what we remember it. Like even just- uh, Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And you're at the age of 14, right? Where sleep usually does come easier. And, and I imagine that you don't have a straight line to where you are now. We all have those step a few, uh, you know, feet forward and we got to readjust, you plateau, and then you got to make another change or life hits you with something else. But again, at the age of 14, you really, uh, this is a young, a young age to have that much foresight. And the other thing that really pops out to me about this, about your story is that mm-hmm. I think as adults, number one, as adults, we may tend to not value the Mm. mindset of a child and so many things are impactful like at a young age we say oh you know they'll get over that when they're in grade seven or you know that's just silly sometimes you know a lot of times I don't think we truly appreciate the depth of emotion and feeling at that age and you at that tender age of 14 um, obviously had those emotions so much so significantly so that you made life changes at the age of 14. Uh, it's a story that I, I, I love to, to hear because I do think sometimes we don't really, you know, we pass over kids there, oh, they'll mm-hmm. get over it. Maybe not so easily. <laughs> well, what I did realize, Kathy, and there's some very much truth to what you just said, uh, because, I, you know, as much as I learned to make some physical changes, what I didn't take into account was I was so focused on the exterior. So focused on changing how I looked, how I acted, you know, just anything that would shift people's perception of me. 
and see me as something more, you know, because I was always thinking I got to be more. I want to, I want to be accepted. I've got to, you know, they just, all these presumptions I believed of who I thought I wanted to be, you know? And, and so I was going to act as that and not in a healthy way because what ended up happening and I didn't really understand the gravity of this until I was in my twenties, but I, I dealt with a lot of social angst, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of, of, of anxiety, especially in social settings. And because I'd spent so much time just avoiding all that yeah. and, and having a lot of time on my own. And uh, here comes and, the mental piece. Well, and, and it, it was a struggle for almost mm-hmm. 20 years, you know, and it still is. I'll be perfectly transparent with you. You know, like the mental health piece is always uh, a piece that needs attention. And I, I, and I, I mean, I, you know, and I love that today it's a very big conversation online and offline, you know, everywhere we were, people are really recognizing the importance of mental health and it's really where everything starts. Now, I learned pretty early on because I started getting invitations, you know, at 17, 18 years old, uh, invitations to hang out with certain people, you know, certain people that all of a sudden recognized who I was and, and I was getting invitations to come to parties and to hang out. And, and that was awesome, but also at the same time, super intimidating, a lot mm-hmm. of fear there, a lot of concern. And then I discovered alcohol. And I realized that, oh, if I have a couple drinks, man, I can talk to anybody here and I don't feel that way. Right up. Yeah, exactly. And it just became the norm. I replaced food and video games now with exercise and booze. Not a great combination, you know, and Mm -hmm. and, because here I am trying to live a certain way. And yet I'm doing a lot of the good with some of these other habits. But it was how I was, you know, mentally coping. And so it was really interesting, but then I decided, you know, at 18, graduated high school and I was fortunate enough to get into UBC in Vancouver and University of British Columbia. And and so that was my ticket to leave a small town living and move out to the city and literally not even move, you know, within province. I was like, I I just need to get away where nobody remembers who I was. Yeah. And sometimes we need that that break, right? Yeah, fresh start. Fresh start and again, reevaluating, moving forward. And I'm sure it wasn't even a straight line from there. But what I find and what I want to delve into in the second half here is um, the difference between how women and men, girls Mm -hmm. and boys are treated in this mental space. And this is something that you've really taken um, a hold of here. And I think it's brilliant. So everybody, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and talk to Di about how he's really taken men's health under his his guise of of expertise. And uh, we're gonna go with that because it's really a very interesting and you know, often not spoken about piece of overall health is the men's space. So everyone will be back in a few minutes. Another heartbreak day Feels like you're miles away Don't even need no shade When your sun don't shine Shine Too many passing dreams Roll by like limousines It's hard to keep believing When it pass you by I know your heart been broke again I know your prayer 
Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking to Di Manuel. Do you say it's Manuel, right? That's how you yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah, you got it perfect, Kathy. Right. That's okay, great. Good. Oh, Excellent. yeah. Spot on. Spot, Spot on. on. Um, <laughs> here, I was worried about the spelling of and the pronunciation of your first name. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned at the end of the, of the segment there, um, you've really taken this area of health, men's health, um, as a real, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's something that's very passionate for you. So mm. let's talk about that space, why it's sort of not appreciated and it's underserviced. Wow. Well, thank you, Kathy. You know, so as you can imagine, you know, I, I mental health for me was, was, I mean, I just never thought of that. You know, now today we say body, mind, and spirit, right? Like that is so 
Well, yeah, one, two, three. It, it is right. It, I mean, I don't think anybody disagrees. There's importance there that body, mind, spirit. We all have different ways of defining what that is to each uh, to ourselves individually. But there's some general understanding of what that means. And for me, I was so focused on the body, you know, and, and the mind and spirit piece. Yeah, not so much, <laughs> you know, and because of that and, and because of the role models I had, as well as the people I gravitated to and I tended to hang out with I I really had that singular focus you know of just keeping focus on the body like no one was having any conversations especially the men I was getting to know quite well because I always wanted deeper relationships with other men and I always struggled with that and and you know over the years especially as I've dove into this in the last decade it's it's not just me, <laughs> you know, there's, well, it's, there's it's actually... an odd statement actually die. No, I don't, I've never heard a man say I wanted to develop deeper relationships with other men. It's just not well, said. It's not said. And thank you, Kathy, for noting that because you're right. It's not said, but what's, it is becoming more said now. I, I guess it's becoming more of a conversation now, but uh, like 10 years ago, I was looking for this because I went through a, a big, big change, you know, cause I'd recognized alcohol was that crutch for me. It was my easy way out. You know, by this point uh, I was in my early thirties, you know, I had this habit, you know, from literally 18 to about 33, uh, the, those 15 years, uh, alcohol was a very big part of my life. And, and, you know, I got a lot of work done. I was very productive. I was building a company. I, from all everybody on the outside, they would think, wow, Guy's got it together. Look at mm-hmm. he's got a beautiful wife, great kids, the home, you know, a company he's building. Like, wow. But meanwhile, those that truly knew me saw this habit, you know, this way of dealing and coping with some of that mental stress, some of that anxiety that I was feeling. And I was pretty good at shielding myself from anybody knowing that until I couldn't anymore. Because it started to take hold. And, and I know it sounds cliche. We hear about this, right? It's like, yeah, it's okay to do that until it's not. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it got to, to a seep point. into everything. The cracks start exactly. to Exactly. And I won't go into too much detail about that moment because it's essentially what the, the TED talks about is I mm-hmm. share a little bit of glimpse into that story in that moment. Uh, but ultimately, I made a decision to stop drinking because I needed to create a space where I could clear my mind. I had to recognize that the, what I was doing up to that point in time wasn't working. And in fact, it was compromising the quality of my relationships, not only with my family and friends, but with the world, to be quite frank. And now, can I so ask I, I a decide, question? Yeah, here? sorry, go just, ahead. Uh, just yeah. before we move on. Yeah. Do you think that your reason to part with alcohol was the physical impact it was having you or just the fact that you were using it as a crutch? Two very different reasons. Or as a I would say it was a combination of both, though. Okay. It, it was it was very much both. You know, okay. it, it learned to become a habit, but it was also a very much a coping mechanism. Like mm-hmm. it, it was, as you say, a crutch. And what I realized when I made a commitment to my family, but more importantly to myself, uh, you know, at the age 33, I, I said, you know, I'm going to go one year without drinking. And of course, my kids under the age of six, time, like my, my one daughter, she had a lazy eye. And so she had these massive prescriptive glasses on, you know, so these big Coke bottle rim glasses, you can imagine her, <laughs> you know, just under six, big teeth, big smile, big eyes. And she's like, oh, so no orange juice, no pop <laughs> like, <laughs> right away. You know? So we had to qualify and say, no, no, no adult drinks. And, yeah. and then she was like, uh, you know, and it was, so it, it was, you know, just to sort of 
break the tension. It's amazing how kids can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, just the way they see the world is just so innocent. And uh, so, you know, that, that first few weeks was pretty challenging because, you know, my spheres of influence, uh, my, my, my direct spheres of contact and friends, if, if I want to call them that at the time, you know, they, they were friends, I guess. Uh, but they weren't the healthy types of friends that I needed at that time, especially for the, the, the changes that I was wanting to navigate and make for myself. Because even when I thought back when I was 14, I wanted to lose all that weight. I also needed to change my association. In fact, I had to find association, find a community of people to support me people that I could chat to and, and, and speak to and, and get around, you know, so because I realized I, it was too hard to do it on my own. I didn't know what to do or how to do it. And, and then sometimes I questioned why I was doing it. And so that community element was really important. And um, for me, you know, at that point in time, three weeks after making that decision, I realized that a lot of my circles, I told them I made this commitment and yet I was still getting invites. Like they, they weren't even really registering with them. Like, Hey, we're going to watch UFC at the pub this Friday, you know, come join us. We'll have some drinks. And I'm like, I just told you, dude, that I'm going to eat without drinking. You know, like it, it wasn't registering. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, you know, the, the calls, the invitations became less and less and, and seeing people without alcohol, just based on my network at that time, it was hard. Like it, it, it was incredible to see how much of it was around me and how easy it was for me to just go down that path. And, and so as these changes started to emerge and I started to realize I need stronger association, this is where that real strong desire, because I started having some very sincere conversations with some men that I deeply respected at that time. Now, we, I wouldn't say that we were super close friends, but there were people that I respected. They would be people that I sometimes wouldn't invite to go out to the pub because I, my belief at that time, especially when I was drinking, I was like, no, they won't be fun to hang out with. They won't want to drink, you know, what are we going to talk about? You know, like, so I I had these internal sort of little battles or dismissive ways of just discounting people before I even had a chance to meet them or know them. And this is where I was going earlier, like with men. And I, I, I know it sounds like I'm making a very generalized statement and, please recognize I'm not trying to pocket all men into this group because there's always uh, people that uh, aren't part of this group. But uh, for my life at that time, the men in my life, I, what I was being role model, like if I would meet a guy as much as I shake hands, be like, Oh yeah, this is who I'm. It, it was always, as you said earlier, the peacock, you know, it was like, I've got to be the more professional guy. I've got to be the more bravado guy. I've got to be strong, you know, confident. Um, this guy's probably my competition, you know, mm-hmm. like he's going to use anything I share, especially if I'm vulnerable with this guy, he might use it against me later. Like I just it, it wouldn't trust anybody, especially men. And that became really, really hard. Cause all of a sudden when you start taking an inventory of who your closest friends are, and this is a scary stat I'm going to share right now, Kathy. And for those listening, I'm sharing this. This is not my numbers. This is what came through a, a wonderful research paper that was done by Movember Project where, in conjunction with another uh, organization. They, they surveyed thousands of men and, and they asked them to list how many friends do they have that they could speak to serious conversations, like have a serious, serious talk about concerns about like money, health well-being, relationships, you know, like really serious topics, things that, you know, are very real for us in our lives, especially when we're challenged in those areas. How many men do they have in their life that they could have that conversation with? Of all the people surveyed, all these men that they asked, 51% said they had two or fewer friends, while one in eight said they had none. 
-hmm. Now, normally, I would like to think that that's just crazy numbers. That can't be real. But trust me, as someone that lived in that space, (laughs) it's very real. And so here I am, you know, trying to make these massive lifestyle shifts, these big changes, because I know there's so much more that I want in my life and for me and for my family, from just that, that sense of purpose, right? That sense of like, I want to make an impact. And, and yet I found that I didn't have any other men to sort of console with, to talk to, to be mentored by. And you know, it wasn't, you know, society it, was hard. Has, it was hard. We talk about societal pressures on women. We talk about ageism. And mm. Um, mm. The, the idea is that it's a man's world. But mm-hmm. these issues aren't brought forward because men are not supposed to talk. Men are supposed mm. to be stronger. These are societal ideals that men have been raised with, women have been raised with. And I venture to guess that many, many men would think conversations of this nature might be signs of weakness. You know, and you would be fair in that that assumption and statement and, and observational as well. Just by looking at sort of the norm that we're associated to, especially just let's just talk about North America here, even though I, I would say this is very common in Commonwealth countries, especially. But also after living in Southeast Asia for a while, it, it's very prominent in those cultures as well. So it's it is very much a gender thing, you know, mm-hmm. when but does it need to be, you know, and and. I think when we start looking at what we understand men to be and what we understand women to be, and now, you know, the conversation on gender, especially, I think is wonderful, especially over the last five years and, and how that's really coming to the forefront. And there's, you know, we're, we're questioning, how do we describe what a man is, you know? And then we always go to the term, well, a man's typically someone who's masculine, right? Like mm-hmm. we're, we're automatically associating these certain terms. And then when you go to masculinity and it's like, well, what's masculinity mean? And when I looked it up, uh, what's super interesting is when you start looking at the synonyms, other words that are also interchangeable with masculinity, you see words like bravado, you know, you see words like um, machismo, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Th- these words that are really strong, you know, not very uh, uh, soft, not very yeah. inward speaking, but very outward speaking, you know, surface type words, but that are all relating to this idea of strength. Yep. And anything that, and when I looked at femininity though, and I looked at synonyms of that, they had synonyms like kindness, you know, like, <laughs> like words that, like, that were very much, uh, uh, I guess we could say softer, but I don't think they're softer. I think it's take, it takes strength to be vulnerable, you know, like, yeah. and, but it's our understanding of what does vulnerable mean? And, and I think Brene Brown's done a wonderful job in, in her talks and her research on the subject, you know, of vulnerability, especially when we talk about it in the workplace and around leadership dynamics. And, but as she always says, it's not meant for shock and awe. We're not sharing something that's very personal or something that's very real and alive for us, not for the sake of saying to somebody, hey, look at me. It's not an ego-driven thing. And if it is an ego-driven thing and is something that you're trying to create shock or like, oh, wow, you know, like trying to, to gain that, that's the wrong motivation for vulnerability. And so for, for me, and just to sort of bring it up to, to, to today, you know, the, the last 10 years, and especially the last five, I was really feeling this deep desire to connect with men and have some real conversations. <laughs> you know, am I the only one that's thinking these things? Am I the only one that's feeling this way? But what it took was me inviting a really good friend of mine, Nick Wood, and this is why we were living in Bali a couple of years ago. And I said, hey, I got this idea to, to have a weekly gathering of men to have some dinner and conversation. Now, the only conditions are there's no drugs, no alcohol, 
no drama. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're, we're the coming drama together. Would be easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would think so, right? You would totally think so. And 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 I, I asked him, you know, what do you think about this? He's like, I'm there. When do we start? You know? And and sometimes that's all it takes is just one person to say, okay, mm -hmm. I'm in. And all of a sudden that, that just gave me that little boost of confidence and it validated the concept. And then we we invited a few guys. They came. We had great conversation. We shared what was alive and real for us. One guy in particular said, you know, what I've just shared with you guys, I don't know why I decided to share it with you, but I've never shared this with anybody before. And I was just like in awe because what it took though, was one of us going first. To be vulnerable. As as, well, that's right. But one person goes first and that in, in automatically gives others permission to follow suit. Whether they want to or not, it at least opens up. It gives them an yeah. invitation. And that was the most amazing thing that I witnessed, you know, was all of a sudden this natural flow and sharing started happening. And all of a sudden, guys were talking to other guys around Bali. And we were getting 20 to 25 guys every Monday night showing up for dinner and conversation. And it was just beautiful. And uh, the, some of the best conversations, the best learning and the deepest connection I've ever experienced with other men was coming through these Monday night gatherings. And it's amazing when you, you set the intention and you just create a space that's safe and you set some basic rules so everyone feels safe and feels uh, like they're in a place where it's like the, there's a promise made between all of us that show up there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is the interesting thing about men. Like, cause I see women, my wife, I, her best friends and her sisters, like, just and you may experience this too, Kathy. Is just I, I find that women just have the ease of having these conversations where with men we, we just haven't had the practice. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, where do we go to enough. practice this? Right? Like, how do we practice this? And and uh, and so that was what I needed. I, I, you know, for selfish reasons, for sure, I wanted deeper relationships with other men. I wanted some more friends, like friends that I could truly know that I could call at any time and whatever challenge I was working through, I could share it with them. And it's not sharing for them to then say back to me, trying to fix, you know, because that was one of the guidelines that we had. There's no counseling or coaching allowed, <laughs> you know. I think in, share, in, uh, you know? in women's yeah. terms, um, you would call that a stitch and bitch circle. <laughs> there you go right <laughs> i love it i uh, you love know, it women, so women you know have to take it have to have a purpose for theirs so stitch and bitch uh, book club like there they all are you know when we have our book club meeting i think the book is the last thing that we talk about we talk about yeah. all the other stuff and it's it's the same idea right it's an opportunity to talk one thing, and I know this is yeah. a passion of yours because yes. it's sort of where you started your old health journey. And I know we're coming mm. to the end of the show and I don't want to get to the end of it without you talking ah, about sure. how this will, um, how you can impact teen boys who may also uh, have this sense of not having a, a place, a safe space to talk. Mm. So yes, this is, thank you, Kathy. Yeah, you, you know, I... Over these last few years, you know, we're coming on three years that we've been uh, facilitating these Monday night gatherings. And, you know, we have one in the UK now. There's one in Southeast Asia, one in Eastern uh, Eastern time zone, one in the Western time zone. So it's they're all meeting at 7 p.m. in their relative time zone on Mondays. And uh, we have plans for more groups open. It's just free. It's free for men to show up. It's just, you know, you make a commitment to yourself to show up and just be present. 
And uh, it's amazing to see what happens. You know, we do these online now, obviously based on uh, what we've experienced over the last year and we'll continue to do that. But, uh, you know, this sort of led, what I observed led to me uh, doing the TED Talk and just sharing what I'd observed and and also relating to how I got to that point with some of that backstory. And and, uh, what was so interesting is after I did the TED Talk, I started receiving a lot of messages from various people, especially parents of teen boys. And I had never thought about this because honestly, that was, I'm a father with two daughters, (laughs) they're teen daughters now, but not teen boys. And and I don't know, I just never thought about it. But all of a sudden they were asking like, is there anything like this that we can plug our sons into? And I was like, wow, well, no, actually, I don't know of any. I mean, I know of the more traditional groups and organizations that are out there that do wonderful jobs like Big Brothers. You know, there's, there's numbers of these organizations that are doing great things to help foster, uh, you know, that, that sense of safety, but also connection uh, for young boys with, with great role models. And, uh, but I started to think, you know, that there's something to that. And, and so I've been exploring these conversations with some parents, as well as developing some programs around what I've observed, what I've experienced, and, and what I've also studied uh, to create something very unique for boys. Now, I, I don't have anything former, uh, formally to share with you yet, but there, there is something coming, uh, hopefully by summertime this year, uh, 2021 summer, uh, that will, will support boys and, and give them just a space where they can start to practice the types of conversations that I've been observing these last number of years bringing men together. Because I think I truly feel that vulnerability is a skill. It's a skill that we can also mm-hmm. develop, and, but we have to have a safe place to practice and we have to feel confident that whatever we share, it, it truly is private. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that's going to be taken for granted or disrespected and shared openly or publicly uh, when it's outside that group, you know, and, and I think it's finding that safe space. I know me as a teen boy, I often think about this as like, how, what would I have done with a group like this when I was a teen? Would have I have found it useful? I think I would have pushed back on it initially. Maybe I think I would have been like very closed off. Um, but I know if I got around a bunch of peers and they started to, to, I, I'd be the guy that'd be following. Let me put it that way. Which is I would fine. need to see. Yeah. I would need to see another teen boy stepping up and maybe starting that conversation. Of course, being facilitated by someone who's there. But I think if I would have seen that and had the opportunity to experience that, I truly feel that it would have helped me with that emotional and mental health piece that I was not taking into account, especially when I was in my teen years, you know, and um, based on my conversations, it seems like this is this is not uncommon. It's just yeah. th- there isn't a lot of places to practice being vulnerable outside of the immediate family. But sometimes, you know, as a teen boy, I mean, I wasn't going to go to my mom and talk to her about all this stuff I was dealing exactly. with. Exactly. And, you, you know, know I, I, you know, I, I tell my kids certain, you know, you have at university and college, you have access mm. to people. If you're not comfortable talking to us about it, go talk to some yeah. people. Uh, but that's under the guise of sort of counseling. But yes. I think what you're doing is great. And honestly, on behalf of women and wives, I thank you because <laughs> I think for men to have a place like this to, to maybe talk, I think maybe a lot of men are frustrated because they don't have a place to talk. There could be a lot of reasonings going on, but I think it is a good, good, great idea to be able to explore um, the mindset of, of your own gender. And, and yeah. to think that this has really not been anything that's been tapped into a whole bunch is is surprising. So I think what you're doing is wonderful. Now, if people want to get a hold yeah. of you or find out more about what you're doing, where can they do so? 
Oh, thanks, Kathy. Um, well, uh, my website, diamondwell.com, D-A-I-M-A-N-U-E-L.com. Uh, wonderful uh, site I've been blogging for, gosh, 14, almost 15 years now, and just writing content to help people with living their, their, their best selves, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and so it helps with the mental and the, the physical and the, the emotional and just, there's a lot of resources, over 1800 resources there. They're all free tap into them. I, I always invite people. That's a great place to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, you know, if you want to have a conversation, I'm most active on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I always just tell people, you know, like they could say, Hey, I heard you and Kathy's conversation, you know, and, and yeah. here's my thoughts. I'm a father of teen boys and this is what I found has been really helpful for them. And like, just send me a message. And that's a great way to start a conversation. And, and so I always let people know, you know, I'm a, I'm an army of one here. Uh, so if you send me a message, just note that I will get back to you. And it's me, me personally getting back <laughs> to you, but uh, give me a little bit of grace. Cause I, I get a fair bit of inbound messages, but uh, I always, treat them like gold and 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 i always get back so Uh, armies uh, of one are powerful let me tell you i'm an army Uh, of one myself so good for you uh, um that's wonderful and everybody as always when um you can cycle back to the once the show has been uh put into a podcast and is online you can cycle back and we will have dies all of his information there great conversation die thank you so much for joining us today thank you kathy so much for for just holding a space where these types of conversations can even happen, you know, wow. like it is really refreshing. And I, I love your take and even just uh, the, the way that the way that you see things, you know, I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, I, I, you know, I look forward to us talking again soon. Wonderful. Thank you so much. What a that lovely way to end. I'm going to end it right there and there. Okay, everybody, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week on the health hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.